0: Hopefully, we don't have any technical difficulties like Omaha, New England. Ira Jersey,
1: take it away. <laughs> Welcome to League One Fun. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. We're sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. I'm Ira Jersey, and that voice you heard was Jason. Jason, you can't say this in the U.S., but in the England, you can. And all I got to say is, we're staying up. Oh, it's over here. We're staying up. And they're going up. <laughs> so...
0: <laughs> I'm right there with you, you know, uh- I'm not going to get into the pro rail thing. I I don't have
1: the. It's going to be exhausting we, week. We don't need it. Although, so so I'm just going to if if I can just rant just for a second. So I would love pro rail. I just don't know realistically how we could implement it here without owners really getting scared. But
0: Ira, please, you know, Ira, please, I don't. So, I, like, I, it's been such an exhausting like, week.
1: I, Look at my nails. Look at my nails, Jason. I have no nails. I've been biting them all week. You know, up leading up to Sunday's game where yeah. Villa was able to stay up because I'm. I'm an Aston Villa supporter, and we squeaked in by the skin of our teeth by VAR. Yes, you did uh, by VAR a couple of weeks ago. That's yeah.
0: right. L- lack of whatever you want to say. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. going on, you know, to to American soccer, which is full of parody and and no debate about how it's ran and how we're doing and how we improve it. Everything is just perfect, and we're all uh, you know, we're all aligned. Uh, we had our first full slate of
1: games this weekend. Yeah, it was a lot of soccer to watch. I got through most of it, and um, it, was, I it was fun. It was fun. There were fun games. They were. They were. I am
0: not ever doing all of them in a row in one night ever again. I'm actually going to learn how to pace myself. I thought, like, oh, I can never get enough soccer was was terribly wrong.
1: My, my eyes you- still hurt. Did I not tell you on the last show that it would have been nice to have, you know, a Friday night, a couple yeah. of Saturday nights and a couple of Sunday nights? Which that I
0: think we get we get this week. We get a Friday and a only, Saturday.
1: A little bit. But we, yeah, get, so we get we're, a we're getting and four Saturdays. So yep, we're uh, back getting to there. back. back. So anyway, so, shall we talk about a little news? Because yeah. we're, we're back. You know, this feels right now, Jason. We're back to our regular kind of show.
0: It, it feels kind of right. And, uh, and if, then the if first we want of news is going to drop on us, right? Yeah. So, and, and so I, you want to say you want me to just get into it? You, you uh,
1: broke the news, so I'm going to give you the glory, man.
0: All right. And I, I tried to break it as – very neutral level as possible, but I'm at to the point now to where it's unacceptable to where I feel what teams in the league are doing to the players. And so for those who don't know, and I know there was bits and pieces of people tweeting it. The facts that we do know is that last weekend, uh, you know, when Richmond played Greenville, there were three Greenville players who tested positive for COVID, right? And they played, they did not get the results until after the game was played. Which means there is a possibility that they could have spread it to Richmond players. Right now, the league, once they noticed, they they went back and they rewatched the games and they, I guess, worked with professionals to see what is the possibility that they actually had on spreading. Was there close contact and they used the protocols and and which is you have to be within six feet of someone for fifteen minutes and you know close it's, well that's what's considered close contact. I don't know how you determine whether or not you can spread a disease to somebody by looking at tape. But as somebody who's playing soccer, it's hard for me to not think that you've been isolated specifically from half a team for more than 15 minutes a game. It it just doesn't make sense to me. But regardless of how they made this decision, that's how they made it. My issue though was Richmond then played Tuesday night against Tormenta and we're not able to test and get results back before that game so therefore if it was spread even if they don't think it was you are now putting a whole separate team at risk uh, to to get covid who already was at risk because they had two players that had it before who they've already quarantined and so it doesn't make sense. And I know the protocol is saying, yeah, we take these weekly tests and then we get the results. But if the weekly tests aren't going to give you results before the games, then what's the point of them, right? Like the idea is that these players are going into the games, knowing that everyone that they're playing with is COVID free, tested negative, they're good to go. Where instead now you've got players wondering, okay, am I going to catch it now? Am I then not going to be able to play for two weeks? and I have to quarantine and it's a mess. I don't, I don't understand why the protocol is to test weekly if the test results aren't going to get back in time. And so I made a conscious decision Tuesday after talking to players, because this is not just a one-off event, right? This is not just a Greenville-Richmond thing. There's multiple teams, up to five teams right now in the
1: league. Well, the league the league confirmed that through the 20th of July that there were two players who tested positive right? right so and we're at and the other ones must have been yeah exactly the other ones that that you heard about must have been after that 20th date right
0: but the idea then is those players that played this weekend uh they they that did test positive now or after they've already played right and so we there's already been confirmed case in north texas in ford madison game right there there's there's cases that have been happening outside of just that Richmond Greenville, right? We have five teams right now that have positive cases. So this is one of the things to where if you're not going to ensure that these players are safe to play, and then especially because they have to travel more than any other league right now, right? You've got Tucson having to go all the way to to Fort Lauderdale. Like that's, it's too much. It's too many people. It's too much of a possibility and a risk to spread. I, I just don't think that I agree with, with necessarily the protocols, but the, the the teams themselves in kind of forcing the players are not giving them the space to say like, hey, I don't feel comfortable with this, whereas they're told, hey, you know, yes, this happened, but we already talked to professionals, you're fine, just keep it on the low and don't say anything and keep playing, right? I, I just don't. I don't approve of that. And that's why I made a conscious decision on Tuesday to not tweet about the game and not talk about it. I don't want to spread awareness to a league where players are uncomfortable playing it.
1: Well, I think this is a situation where, you know, there's obviously no collective bargaining agreement yet, but there is a recognized players association. So this is where the players association has to come in and, and speak on behalf of the players and, and what they're comfortable for with um, in terms of, um, in terms of playing, right? So, and, and
0: from what it, I've heard, it's been radio silent. Right. So, it, it's just bad all around, right? It's just one of those things to where I think. The, the owners have to push back on the league. The players have to push back on the owners. It's one of those things to where everyone needs to be on the same page of comfortability because it's not fair for these players. Even though you're saying, oh, you'll be fine, you don't know that. That is not scientifically 100% fact. Like, the only thing that is factual is that positive cases were playing, and now they're going to be playing again next to you, and you do not have new results to see whether or not they're still pot. So I don't know.
1: I don't know. Well... Um, on that happy note, there was some other news that we can, that we should talk about. So, um, that, that is not, it's soccer adjacent, but it's, uh, it's where these teams play. So assuming that they don't have COVID and they're on the field playing, um, so city stadium, uh, upgraded, um, you know, they had, uh, a reasonably big uh, uh, capital spend to upgrade City Stadium. They upgraded the internet, so Wi-Fi will be uh, more reliable there now. Uh, they they put in new lights. They have a new sound system. They put in new, uh, a new irrigation system uh, all throughout the stadium. So, you know, a whole bunch of upgrades. That is something that the new ownership group, I know, has been working on uh, for the better part of a year and a half now. And, and a lot of those have now been uh um, you know, now been put in place. So, um, yeah, you know, good, good on them. So when, you know, the River City Red Army, no, wait, I was like, yeah, R- River City Red Army, right. Hey, yeah. I, I was th- thinking about the VD River Ride. It's my <laughs> first show. It's my first full show. I, I'm getting a little confused. Um, but so, you know, when they're there, they're going to be able to hear the announcer now, instead of it being all garbled and stuff like, you know, maybe it was sometimes.
0: Like a Six Flags roller coaster. and, and <laughs> Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Um, and also, you know, Chad, they have new digs jason oh, yeah. you want to talk a little bit about it? they
0: they are playing in there they're going to be opening up their new stadium this weekend it's a part of 150 million dollar mixed use development it's a 20 million dollar privately funded soccer stadium uh they just put out a video not too long ago with a you know, drone footage, and it looks nice. You've got your clubhouse, you've got your stands, you've got everything you need. Uh, it's going to be a consistent project, right? They're going to be building, you know, housing and, you know, businesses and everything around it. But, you know, to, to play in their own place, to, to finally have, you know, a place that they can call home, and then the question of, you know, the timing of it being built with everything going on with COVID and the quarantine. So, yeah, I think uh, it's an exciting thing for the team and, you know, for the residents in Chattanooga.
1: It'll be it'll be great to see how they perform on there, because obviously they've been on the they were on the road this week. And, you know, coming home, it uh it'll be interesting to see because, it, it you know, they have been training there. So we've seen some footage of them actually on the pitch training. I think it was just all the stuff around the stadium, uh, from parking and, and restrooms and, uh, you know, all that kind of things that they were um, that they were still finishing up in the uh, in the stadium so
0: yeah the fans hold it they'll be you'll be all right you can hold it for two hours It'll be fine. <laughs>
1: yeah. uh as far as i know they will have lavatories available okay. by the way okay so shall we talk about matches we had let's, six we're going to talk about today let's get into it yeah there's going to be where, a lot so where do we want to start well let's can we talk about styles a little bit before we even get into any of the matches okay so, you know, just what I've noticed from the seven matches or so we've had so far is everyone seems to want to be really more, much more attack-minded than they were last year. So last year you had teams like Chattanooga and Greenville that were a little bit happier to sit back and absorb pressure, but now it seems like everyone either has some kind of pressing strategy or counter-pressing strategy that – is making these games a little bit more open. Even though a few, like, were nil-nil draws, they were more open than I would have expected. Uh, you know, had you asked me, you know, how do these teams play? Um, you know, they don't play that way anymore, if, uh, for the most part. So, did did you see anything, you know, different that you liked in the styles that you've seen so far from these well, teams?
0: Well, and we'll talk about it. I, I like that a lot of these teams are going down the side, especially the right side. I don't know if it was just the, like everyone watched League One last year, saw the weak link and said, okay, this is what we're doing. But there's a lot, like you said, of attacking going on specifically down the sides. But it makes sense. It's a short season. Players and teams have not had that full preseason to, to build chemistry to prepare. There's going to be sloppy passing in the back. There's going to be miscommunications, right? Put the pressure on the back line and put the pressure on the defense go for it right you, we've got a short season there's there's nothing to hold back for C- certain games in a long season you go okay we're playing on the road a midweek game and then we have another game saturday let's just try to go for this draw right if we can get a goal in early we're going to get it sit back and we're just going to try to save legs now it's like no we we you push it you know it's five subs you get the depth you know you get substitutions you get rotations
1: yeah go for it yeah, Greenville and Fort Lauderdale have already played one eighth of their season, right? So it's, that's it's, yeah, that's wild
0: dude, <laughs> to say out loud.
1: <laughs> so this, so this weekend, and this is uh, you know only on the weekend, you had fifteen goals in five matches. But the first match ended nil nil mm. with the New England Revolution two scoring zero and Union Omaha in their premier match, uh, their first match that they've ever played, also. Scoring zero goals, uh, possession was reasonably even. The Revs had a little bit more. Um, you no know, shots were even, but Union Omaha it seemed to have had the better chances. They had five shots on target, although a couple of those were dribblers, quite frankly. Um, and uh, but the Revs did, tried to you know shoot from the outside. Eight of their eleven shots were from outside the box. So you know quite a lot there. Uh, You know Joe Rice, the former Richmond kicker and former USL League Two uh, player, he had four saves on the day, included, and he really kept uh, New England Revolution two in that match.
0: And they needed him, um, especially you know when arguably their best defender has pulled off the team. I think they announced it the day before the game or two days before the game. Um, he came up big in big situations, especially in the aerial. He had to come out twice and win some balls that a lot of keepers, if you're not confident, you you might make a mistake on the punch or you might be too hesitant to grab and it goes through. So he looked good. I was really impressed with Joe.
1: Yeah. So a, uh, Lionsbridge FC alum too, That's by the right. way, in USL league too. I, gotta, I was waiting for dude. you to say it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Mare almost scored, uh, in the 67th and I know we're watching the highlights here. Um, you know, he, basically there was a goal line clearance by, uh, um, by new England. So, you know, Mare almost had it, had it, uh, their, their first goal in franchise history. Yeah. Um, and then, um, uh, Malango, is that how you pronounce his name? In the 78th minute, he just rifled one right off of the post. And I think we're about to see it here for those of you watching the stream. Yep, Ooh, there right it is. There. Um, that was really unlucky. I mean, New England Revolution 2 could have scored their first goal right there. Um, yeah. almost certainly. They,
0: listen, they looked dangerous, especially at the beginning of the, the game. The first 15, 20 minutes, New England, they looked on the attack and they were getting down the sides and – they had a lot of good balls through the midfield, down the side. They set up a lot of nice set piece chances and good positions. Uh, if Sinclair. Uh, can stay on side he has a chance to to potentially rival golden boot uh, race because you know he was there for it it's just that you know the the timing and, and that's what you know a lot of teams are going to go through with their first week we saw it with Fort La- Fort Lauderdale in their first week with Ricky Espin and then we'll talk about it later how that improved this week so that's worth mentioning but yeah I think uh I think New England offensively I was I was shocked at how good they looked early. I didn't think coming out I thought you know it's more so let's get the first 15 minutes out of our system get the nerves out and then we can start. They they went out flying. They started pushing
1: I recall last week us, you know, mentioning that we thought that their attack would be okay, that New England's attack would be okay, but we weren't sure about the backline. And the backline at times did look a little bit unorganized, but better than I kind of expected them to be. So, yeah, um, you know, you know, very, very good. Um, I, I think a nice mix of kind of people with experience on the team as well as academy players. It's not a Purely developmental side, um, you know, which is nice to see, and I think Omaha was a little bit unlucky uh, not to not to get one. They certainly probably had. You know i didn't check what the xg was but you know they probably had a pretty close to a one goal expected goals and uh you know the fact that it didn't that that they didn't score is a little bit unlucky but you know they were on the road they had to travel they had all kinds of restrictions on them playing on playing on a turf field right with football lines
0: i consider it a win for omaha right like you said their first game ever on the road playing, like you said, in that kind of on turf and on that kind of field. And, you know, it, it took a lot of, you know, line clearances. Uh, Colin uh, Verford uh, had a really good game. I think that he, uh, Verford, you know, I'm going to mess this up. He, yeah. uh, but he, we'll let you do it. yeah, thank you. He, <laughs> I think he stepped up and was a big reason as to why New England held on uh, to that zero zero outside of uh, Joe Rice because he won seven of his 10 duels, only lost once in the air in in seven aerial duels and uh, 10 clearances. So he was definitely the cleanup man. You see Omaha got on the break a lot, and it came down to them, you know, having these last-minute shots to where he would come in with a late tackle and clear it. And so, uh, yeah, like you said, I think Omaha a little unlucky to come with a, a point. Uh, but you know, I, I, I mean, with three points, but I think a point they should be happy with, especially their yeah. first game on the road. Yeah, and they so. had, they had players that look good, right? They, you know, yeah. Devin, Devin makes team of the week. He was everywhere as his role is probably going to be right. I think we put, took note of that in preseason. That's kind of what his role is and he's everywhere, but let's talk about Dami. Cause I thought Dami was, was incredible on both sides of the ball. Um, he had five successful crosses, four chances created. He had a missile that went through the ozone and probably hit the satellite that was broadcasting this game, which is why we only got 25 minutes of actual viewing time of it, Uh, but not. And then on the defensive side, three tackles and three clearances, I thought he played a very good game and uh, was definitely in contentions of being a player of the week for the all-team USL League 1.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, Omaha, you know, they, they led in tackles. I mean, it showed you how they were playing too, right? They were really wanted to get the ball away from New England, and, you know, 28 tackles on the day is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, a normal game, you know, you'll have between 10 and 20, so uh, 28's uh, really solid. Uh, shall we move on to the next match here, Jason? Yes. Um, I'll give you the score line while you change the video for those of you watching our stream on, uh, on Twitter. There we go. Uh, this one was back down with the team. Known as Fort Lauderdale CF, they scored a single goal early on. I might add, against FC Tucson, traveling all the way out from uh, from the Mountain Time Zone to uh, they scored two goals, both very late. Uh, just to just like I called it, right? I, <laughs> just like I called it in our pickums. <laughs> I mean, look if you would if you would have told me that Fort Lauderdale was going to have two teenagers sent off in the first half for double yellows. Um, you know, I would have said, no, they won't do that. You know, these, these kids won't, won't make that kind of mistake, man, this was, this was a very interesting match. So, so um, you know, first, you know, why don't we just take it chronologically? Because first is a very nice goal by Ricky uh, Ricky Espin-Lopez. Um, so I- Ian Frey, you know, had a ton of time and space, about 10 yards into the attacking half. He makes a great through pass to Rosales, beats four Tucson defenders. So great there pass there. Yep. And Rosales is one time low, finds Espin who's running into the box and just taps it in like it's, yeah. Uh, like it's a training field exercise, and like
0: I was telling you, that's the that's the timing thing, right? That that ball to Rosales, and then that cross. You know, last week that was probably offside, at least one of those, right? And yep. I like when Rosales shows he is one of those defenders and those backs who can get up or he's one of those players who can get up and he puts in great crosses and yeah ricky just got in between two defenders one on his inside was playing a little more loose and then he got in a better position and in front of the one playing uh outside and so it was an easy easy tapping for him
1: well what what i noticed for for lauderdale is a Definitely wanted Rosales to get more forward than their left back, whose name escapes me now. And uh, you know they they were definitely attacking down that right hand side a lot more, at least until the yellow, right until uh, right. Or, or until the first sending off. Um, yeah,
0: and they so. they dominated I, possession and playing in that first half, even when the first person went off with that red card they still dominated with possession and they still had the better chances and in fact I think it was like the 40th minute uh Ricky had another one where he had a header that he was by himself had a free header and couldn't finish it and that would have put them up 2-0 and that and then it becomes a chase and it becomes just them parking the bus but uh you know I think Fort Fort Lauderdale looked pretty good Uh, I mean they even like I said playing down a man they held Tucson the one shot on goal that whole first half. And that shot came after their second player got sent off. So yeah, I, I think uh yeah, we're, I mean, for, we're I trying
1: think Fort Lauderdale is going to be, I think, a, a good team. And we saw flashes of that last week too, right? Um, you know, that where the more experienced team won. Um, you know, in, in a way, the same thing here. But but even uh, you know even for for that the fact that they were able to hold on until the eighty first minute yeah. um, they were able to play you know thirty five minutes down two men right they were, had nine players and yes did they um, uh, you, you know did they have that th- those two reds both of which were kind of you know. Uh, uh, Pardon my French, but they were both bonehead moves. Uh, yeah. quite frankly, well deserved um, to put it that yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so in the twenty seventh minute, I'll say this: you know, sixteen year old, you know, Josh. Um, uh, uh, oh Jesus! You know, I even practiced this beforehand, um, but I think it's uh, Salvador, Um He had a two footed tackle for a second yellow that, quite frankly, could have been a straight red um you know just you you put in a two-footed tackle against someone and you're going to get called for it right even if you don't you know completely take the 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 guy out or you get the ball doesn't matter you're endangering the other player and you know for for me that would have been a straight red anyway who was a little bit uh the referee was kind to give him just a second yellow um and there was also uh, uh
0: another challenge um that could have been – that was a little questionable, I think, in the, the 14th minute or 12th minute, something like that. Course. Yeah, and it was just like – and that one was just called a regular foul. And I was like, that's when you can see the inexperience of the, of a young team because, exactly. yeah, there, a lot of questionable tackles from them.
1: So – and then in the uh, 45th minute plus two, uh, Ian, Ian, uh, Ian Frey, who mm-hmm. – had that great pass for the goal in the eighth minute um from from the back line he also had a really bad tackle that you saw there he you know had a leg up you know totally tripped up the player um you know it, you know this is one of the reasons why I tell my teenagers you know stay on your feet stand someone up don't slide tackle because right. You you risk this kind of move unless you you know you practice it over and over again. Um, and uh, here's the yeah here's that second yellow. So you see how he keeps his left leg up yep. and high as he's doing it. I mean again that's that's not a red that's a yellow, but that's the second yellow. So and the, and the
0: first yellow was ridiculous because he literally just sh- shoulders a guy down the sideline for no reason and injures his own teammate while doing it. He took he just takes out two players. It's it's uncalled for. It's not stopping any kind of like dangerous counter attack. And so, yeah, you don't do that. Then you're just picking up a yellow and the game's different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You take those fouls, you take those kind of fouls when it's like two V two or something like that. And, and the goals there, you don't do it when you're 35 yards from goal, right? Yeah. That's not the time to do that kind of tactical foul. Um, plus you were winning, right? So yeah. worst case is you're, 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 you know, you've drawn or something like that. So uh, but then in the 81st minute comes the uh the first goal for uh for FC Tucson. It's uh Azad Landy from Liadi Liadi. Why why did I write I, I <laughs> I, I wrote L A I D I. Listen, I'll,
0: I'll let them. I'll I was, let the, I was I reading a read little one ago, but if it's that exactly bad, I, I got to say
1: something. <laughs> <laughs> Liati. You know, I wrote it right the second time. Um, so, anyway, so Azad Liotti, uh, he, um, uh he gets, you know, there's just this crazy uh, long cross about 40 yards just finds him wide open at the near post. Um, I'm not sure what the Fort Lauderdale keeper was thinking it's like he yeah. didn't actually reach out his hand to try and save it but it looked like he it was in the ball was in reach did he think it was going wide like
0: yeah and the, and the, it's funny because yeah liati doesn't have a lot of power on it he's pretty far back he he takes it the equivalent of the, uh, the penalty kick line he's just a little bit more uh to the right of it But yeah, he just, he guides it, right? And he places it in a really nice spot and the keeper maybe thought it was going wide and was like, and, but no, it was a perfect place and perfect positioning. But yeah, if the keeper starts going for it and dives for it, when the header actually happens, he absolutely saves it.
1: Yeah, it was uh, anyway, that, that was very weird. Um, and then in the eighty seventh minute, Adrian uh, Va- uh, Valenzuela uh, home, gets home, from
0: t- home team uh, hero. The uh, yeah, yeah, he got his yeah, he got the local kid got his uh, got he subbed in too late and yep. then came in and scored the winner. Liotti again was involved in that. But if you watch that, um, it's all about when Shaq Adams cross goes in. It looks like it's going out. And long I believe it was just has this amazing athletic like jump where he positions himself perfectly outside, out of bounds, but keeps to the front of his body inbound so he can head it back. And then that's what leads to Liotti, who tries to shoot it, uh, it deflects and perfectly deflects
1: the, the right into where it needs to be for a bounce whale to finish it off. Yeah. So uh, Tucson had 25 shots in this match. And eight of them were on target. Yeah, not great. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, most of them were in the second half, admittedly. Like you said, you know, the you know, Tucson had one shot on target in the first half, and the other seven were in the second. Um, so it shows what what happens. But they Tucson was also offside seven times.
0: Yeah. Again, first first week, you're gonna see that a lot. But I also think that That second half, Leotti made the difference, even not just with the goal, right? But he came in in that second half and had three chances created, had the assist. I think he really kind of stepped up that offensive game. They had Charlie Dennis coming back a lot more. So Charlie wasn't the pivot that he was last year with Tormenta. And so I think Liotti kind of stepped in. Um, and then in that 80th minute, they brought in two more offensive players. They threw everything at them and that made the difference. I think players like Shaq Adams Shaq was incredible for his holdup play beat the, the ability to have two defenders on him, draw them in and get past them. So now, Fort Lauderdale only has three players, you know, since everyone else got sent off. Actually, defending and so, um, yeah, I think Liadi had had a really good game. It was really an impactful player in their
1: offense. Well, so so one of the things that I think that, you know, I was I mentioned at the top when we started talking about this that you know the a lot of the teams had slightly different tactical setups and the style of plays were a little bit different. I'm not sure that we saw what FC Tucson's going to be because you know that first red was so early that I'm still not convinced that they're necessarily going to be, you know, necessarily a dominant team or fighting for, you know, the top of the table or anything like that. Um, you know, at least from this game. Um yeah. so it's going to be really hard to um, you know, if I looked at it the first 25 minutes or so, I'd say, you know, they looked okay, but um, I, I actually think that uh, Fort Lauderdale outplayed them, quite frankly, and uh, um, you know until that first red card at least.
0: I 100% agree. But I do think with Tucson, one thing we'll see is that uh, Eli Velton is a baller. And so I don't know what it is about Brazilians, but I don't think they actually believe in positions. So you could call him a left back all you want. I looked yeah. at a number ten that that whole game. He was he was incredible. He was everywhere. I had to do a double take because um, I'm looking at the stats. He was involved in 21 duels. So that shows you just how everywhere he was and won. 15 of them had the assist had six crosses two chances created and then oh yeah since they just threw him in a left back position since Brazilians don't believe in positions he also had two clearances two interceptions five fouls won none conceded and oh yeah he did concede one but even more impressive eight tackles which is why you see such a high win rate for his duels I just thought he was incredible this week
1: I think one of the reasons he was able to leave his position a little bit, though, was was just because they were playing up a man for so well, long. Right? Absolutely, like, right? Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future. But but he's clearly more of a wing back than mm-hmm. uh, than a left back, right? I mean, I
0: I just don't think. Uh, I mean, like El, El Seno for Philadelphia Union, they said used to play. Uh, right back and i don't understand how that's humanly possible so i think in brazil everyone's just skilled with the ball could be offensive but they're like ah we have we need somebody to play back there so sorry
1: you got to go back there they all watched Ajax in the 70s yeah um all right so shall we move on uh yes greenville triumph three richmond kickers two sorry richmond um this was I thought a pretty interesting match overall just because of how back and forth it was there was another red card in this game um late um, in in the game uh, you know after all the goals were scored um so it could have been three three maybe um had the had the uh, had you know Brandon fricky our, our friend and and uh, sometimes uh, guest on our show uh, <laughs> <he got> that, <laughs> it was for denial of a goal scoring opportunity. Um, But, you know, Greenville gets on the board first with Jay Keegan doing Jay Keegan things again. Um, you yeah. know, after a scramble in the box that was originally credited as an own goal to Scotty Thompson, um, but you know, Blake
0: Blake Schultz, the camera guy and the sweater guy, made sure that he went on social media to let me know and everyone else know he had the
1: evidence, he had the frame by frame shot to show that that was a Keegan goal. Right. Well, it, you know, it's one of these things where you had three guys at the same time, basically swinging for the ball, and <laughs> you know, you couldn't really tell who it was, but you know, Keegan was one of those players and he was sliding in and but you know presumably yeah you know I mean look we, we can we can parse each frame or something like that and say you know he, no, he I'm telling you I I am
0: hundred percent into like he he showed he took a a iPhone picture of his camera that was showing the preview and you can see <laughs> Jake Keegan's foot going through the ball in the shot form you got to give it to him and then and credit to Greenville's fans because they they do online bullying and promoting just as well as anyone else in this league, and so they made sure to keep Jake Keegan's Golden Boot race uh, top level and make the league change that own goal into a Jake Keegan goal. So <laughs> props to
1: them. Well, and, and if nothing else, he, he deserves a credit for, uh, you know, creating the goal because he was the only attacker there in the middle of three defenders, right? So, right. Um, but then uh, just a, about 10 minutes later in the 35th minute, Matt Baldock gets on his horse. So Akwe from center back just basically plays a ball into the right channel, and Boldek just gets onto his horse and just flies past Tyler Polak, which, who's not a slow guy in his own right, um, and just hits a great ball to the far post from just inside the right-hand side of the 18. Um, you know, great, great run and a great finish from Matt Boldek, a, a very interesting counterattack, which is not how I had been – seeing Richmond play so far, right? Richmond had been pressing and counter pressing and, you know, uh, basically having a, a, a mid block where they would uh, apply pressure just inside um, the, uh, the, uh, their offensive half, but that's not how this goal was scored. At no, time.
0: no. And, and props to them, right? We, we talked about this year can Richmond offensively put some pressure on and, you know, not be so stagnant with the ball and try to play out the back and be slow and, a, a bodic showed he slow is not in his vocabulary my man was was booking <laughs>
1: Yeah. And he was playing in a little different position than he did last he year. Definitely he definitely was. He yeah. played much wider. He was a little bit more central, like almost a, almost like an eight or a 10 in like a, in like a four, three, three, right. With, uh, um, being the right sided number 10 in in that kind of system. So that was an interesting, interesting look for him. And he was able to get into that channel, you know, a number of times and, and look dangerous. And, you know, he's always been fast, but he's also, he was pretty good on the ball. And I thought he, he had a good game. Um, but in the 46th minute, there was actually an own goal where that's scored <laughs> by Ian Antley. Uh, so Brumall uh, misses uh, a clearance, right? So so basically, Brumall came in for Akira Fitzgerald, who went out with an injury. Uh, Brumall tried to clear it. There was some miscommunication in the back line. The center backs Khalid, um, And you know, Ian Antley and uh, uh, was it Omar Muhammad or was it? Yeah, I think it was Omar right. Muhammad. I think, was, yeah, I think it was Omar, though. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was Omar Muhammad, and and Antley were basically fighting for the ball, and the ball just pops up and kind of hits Antley's knee and goes into. Yeah, the not goal. much you can do about that. I, yeah, I mean, quite frankly, you, you know, it's it's tough on Ian because you know, had he not been there, you know, Muhammad would have gotten the goal, right? It, it was, right. Yeah. So so Chenier on River City ninety three made an interesting point, and he's like, "Look, this isn't Ian Antley's fault because the fact is, is that he was trying to do his job." Yeah, I
0: hundred percent agree. Yeah. I don't I don't think that goal happens if Akira
1: is there. Yeah, yeah, because he just he just communicates better with the back line and yeah. you know, we, we maybe doesn't go for it at all because he yeah. knows that Akwe is not gonna uh is gonna be there to go for it. Yeah. So um you know, again, that's that's the type of unlucky kind of stuff. So, uh, as we found out later, you know, Akira got a knock and was taken out at halftime. But he, uh, it turns out, he was okay because he did play uh, last night on Tuesday night, which will t- in a game that we'll talk about a little later. Sixty um, ninth minute, Jake Keegan scores once again. This time, Tyler Pollock got his revenge. Yeah.
0: That, so. that was a beautiful interception and in, in just counter in general. I love seeing that. The interception, giving it to Carlos Gomez in the middle who makes the opportunity to either go to his left to keep the Polak run, and then he does, and then Polak sends it crossfield
1: to Key. That's just beautiful. To have the interception and the assist, love it. Love it. Yeah, well, that's exactly how the press is supposed to work, right? So instead of sitting back, right, like you know, Green, even Greenville, and we saw this their first game when they were playing for at Lauderdale, you know, they were still pressing or, or counter pressing. So in this case, it was okay. You know, there's a bad touch. Tyler, instead of sitting back and absorbing the pressure and waiting to be able to win the ball, you know, takes that step forward, wins the ball, and then starts the attack. And, you know, Richmond, because they were playing a relatively high line, they were able to get in behind. So, um, and, and yeah, it was just, it was a, it was a lovely play and exactly, probably something more or less out of the training ground that John Harks has had Greenville uh, working on.
0: Yeah. And I, and Tyler, I, think either led or was top three at interceptions last year. That's just what he does, right? It comes down to decision-making skills and, being able to predict, okay, do I want to make this jump and make this sacrifice to where if I don't get to this, I'm allowing for for a whole bunch of space and opportunity for them to cross the ball with no man pressuring them.
1: Well, oh, But this is different than last year, right? Because Tyler last year, from what I remember, he most of those tackles were like deep in the half where he knew that he had cover, right, where a center back was there, where, you know, Politz or... Uh, um now I've forgotten the other center back's name, but Five, yeah, Evan Lee. So, so anyway, so, so they had those guys, you know, they're covering for him. So he would, he would, you know, stop those attacks down, down the line. This was near midfield, right? So it's a much different place where he was, you know, trying to win the ball, which is, you know, kind of an innovation a little bit, or, or maybe it's not a revolution, but an evolution of what John Hark's had his team doing last year. And, 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 uh, you know, created this great goal. Um Uh, let's see. So 74th minute, uh, you you had a substitute for Bolaños. Uh, it was, uh, Terzaki and, um, excuse me. That's what, what am I saying? Uh, Terzaki, uh, gets the ball from, uh, from Bolaños. Bolaños had the ball on the left touchline. He cuts back and, uh, makes a right footed cross into the box and Terzaki, uh, jumps and, you know, just kind of redirects the ball with his head uh just little skimming ball um you know was this the best goal of the night even though it was you know the kicker's kind of consolation goal do you think i
0: I think it was the best goal as far as how like the goal itself but i do think that the build-up to to greenville's goal with the tyler Pollock interception was just beautiful as a play but as far as just the goal scoring yeah but my question is how much space are you gonna give him, right? Like yeah. I tweeted, you know, Greenville let the gap bigger than Michael Strahan's front teeth. I don't understand, wh- you know, and and it, it's, well, it's it's I'll, the I'll second I'll-
1: week. I, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what happened is that is that Greenville was playing a higher line than they had been in other matches, right? So um, so because of that, they were all trying to get back when they were being counted on, right? And, well, they, and that they played was, high
0: line last week too. And so it, it's one of those things yeah, where, but against
1: I think a less experienced team, right? I think this Richmond team was a little bit of a more you, don't you team. do that to Fort
0: Lauderdale. Don't you don't you do it to to nine man Fort Lauderdale <laughs> who, who held it down for eighty minutes? Don't you do it. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna call it like I see it, man. I mean, I think that that's one of the big differences, right? Yeah. Is that you just have more more experience and and um, you know it, it is the second week, like you said. So maybe the backline's not there, but again, sixteen sixteen game season, so you don't have time to you know make mistakes like that. But they still got the win, even with Fricky getting a red card in the seventy sixth minute. Yeah, not uh, his
0: uh, not his best performance. Yeah, not, not, uh,
1: not. I hope a, we're not, not
0: sure. hope we're not starting a. Uh, a curse to where if you come on the show then you your next game you play bad. If so okay. then well, last year last year I your opponents to come on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. Well last last year it was the other way. Last year you got a you got a league one fun bump, right? Yeah. Everyone that we had on like had a great game the next season. So I
0: think was I'm just saying obviously it's, it's it's early, you know, it's only been a couple games but I'm not sold on that Greenville defense yet, right? It's just one of those things to where if they're going to play those high lines, that they've been getting exposed a couple times. Kind of got lucky, you know, with an own goal to to get out of here with three points, right? This game very well could have been a draw, um, and yep. so uh, you know, it's I'm I'm not completely sold. You know, like I said, I think losing. Pullets and losing Cole were, were two big things. I, I think with time, fricky in the back line will get it together. But you know, right now, and now that Fricky's gonna be out the next game, you know, every game's important. Like you said, they're already eight, they're done, done their season. So
1: So Dallas J, by the way, had fifty passes in this game. Fifty. That's a lot of passes for a goalkeeper.
0: I want to go back and look how many players have fifty passes in this game.
1: I I mean, it couldn't have been more. I mean, maybe the center backs because it was basically center back. Jay Dallas Day to a center back.
0: that's wild. I I didn't even yeah. see that. That's a wild yeah. stat.
1: I mean, I mean the other, you know, Dalla, um Akira Fitzgerald and Broomall together only had 17. Yeah. Um so which is, you know, more what you expect, right? 15-20 or something like that. Sounds about
0: right. Yeah. 15 yeah. I don't I don't 15. even know. I don't believe that. I don't even yeah. know that's real. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh well, I wrote it down, so it, it's not necessarily <laughs> real because I didn't even you know, so uh, don't take my word for it. Check it out on the uh, League One uh, website. Uh, Tormenta two scored two goals. So did the Chattanooga Red Wolves. Uh, Chattanooga looked a little bit different uh, this year. A lot more possession and penetration than the sitting back and you know, kind of get the ball to Stephen Beedy on the outside and and have him cross a, a you know an amazing ball and then sip you know get that one goal and sit back. These guys. Definitely, were much more attacking than they were under Tim Haken, uh, Hankinson last year. So, uh, do you, do you want to go through the first goal? You want to go through Marco Micheletto's, uh Ricardo it, Gomez goal?
0: It's it's Marco being Marco, right? It's uh, Marco getting the ball. Like one thing is when Marco gets open space, it, it's must see TV, right? It's one of those things to where you know. Tormento, what with their bread and butter last year was winning the ball in the middle, given that kind of give and go Marco takes off. He does that gets the ball on the right side is one-on-one. He cuts in the middle. I don't know why a defender doesn't know that he's going to cut in the middle. Cause Marco always loves to cut in the middle. And then uh, he, he just finishes it. It's it's that's where he's at his best. That's why he's offensively one of the most dangerous players. And so, I mean, he, he, he crossed up that man out of his out of his shoes it, it's I, I'm not
1: sure, you know so I think um, so uh, I think I wrote down it was Ramos I think was the defender um, I think he started the slide tackle actually and but he but he totally um, you know, advertise the fact that he was going to make a slide tackle right there and starts to go down yeah. and Micheletto just makes this, you know, quick, uh, it wasn't quite a Cruyff turn, but it was a quick cut and it was, uh, you, you know, just, just left him one-on-one with the keeper and, and he's going to score that all day long, right? They're Marco
0: shake it. and bake Micheletto. You can't show, you can't show what you're going to do defensively to him. Cause like you said, he's going to expose you with that. And you yeah. should like, if anything, keep your hips a little in expect for him to cut back, but Yeah, it was just still, again, his goals are always fun to watch because they're all always really just great open
1: field, hard runs, and just fun, skilled goals. Yep. The second goal happened in the 52nd minute. Uh, Greg Hurst from Pineda. Uh, Pineda made a very speculative pass into the box. Quite frankly, I, I told mean, you about Pineda. Y'all don't want to listen. Yeah, but it was. It, come on, it was. That was such a speculative pass. I mean, he cuts in from the from the right side, um, just you know, happens to kick the ball somewhere near uh, the middle of the box, and it happens to find Greg Hurst. Who, by the way, I didn't even. It's hard to tell from from the angle that we have. But Hurst's turnaround, you know, shot, he, he did it totally blind. So, you know, Greg Hurst knew, knows exactly where the goal is. He has eyes in the back of his head or something because he just turns around and shoots one time without even looking up. It's, it's uh, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good goal, but it's, uh, um, you know, not a ton of buildup. And, and I think that Pineda was a little bit lucky to, you know, have a little deflection from an, uh, a defender in the box to get the ball to Hurst.
0: Okay. I mean, listen, all I'm saying, you know, three chances created... You know, three crosses, successful, you know. I, I think he I think he knows what he's doing. But yeah, when you when you put it this way, you put yourselves in those positions to where you can get lucky with those kind of things, yeah,
1: right? I, yeah, sure. I mean, th- there's no doubt about it. And uh, it, you know, it is a good little run for him to cut inside and and right. just get the ball into that position for sure. Um, nine, eight minutes later, nine minutes later in the 61st minute, first minute, Greg, uh Greg Hurst again from Ricky uh Ruez. The ball um it, it, so the ball comes out from a corner kick, winds up at uh, Ruiz, who I think was the was the farthest back defender, right? He was that guy who hangs back around midfield in order to uh, to, to prevent a counterattack uh on a corner, and he winds up getting the ball and just you know makes a nice left footed cross to the toward the far post, and and Hurst gets it. Now, what was interesting about this is that this was a bungled. Um, set piece, actually. So it was clear that what was supposed to happen was Chattanooga was supposed to take the corner. It was supposed to go to Greg Hurst, who was supposed to flick it up toward the back post where the two center backs were were crashing the far post, and uh, and Hurst actually missed it. So, you know, so the but but luckily the ball gets recycled and Hurst is there for uh, for a very nice header into the near post. Yeah,
0: he looked like he got shot out of a cannon the
1: way he came in with that header. <laughs> he certainly did. And but very excitingly, you know, I was watching this match and I was expecting it to kind of, you know, end 2 to 1 because Tormenta didn't have a a ton a ton of chances uh late in the game. Um they had a lot of possession but not really a lot of really good looks on goal. But in the ninety-first minute, Daniel Jackson, who was playing best right, best right back in the league, baby. <laughs> it's like you know, I, I mean, it, you and know. we should
0: we, we should note that the reason why he's playing right back is that Tormenta barely have enough players to play the game of soccer right now. They had. They had- they had two field subs, right, right. And, exactly. and you know, and then one backup keeper sub. So, you know, they got to make do. You know, we, we talked about their injury bug last year. At least they're dealing with it early, right? Maybe they can get through it and, you know, hold on to these points. But, uh, yeah, so Daniel Jackson, they put him at right back, and my man's delivered. He, so- he was
1: great. It, so it was interesting because this that was one of the few times uh late in the game that he he really you know, he carried the ball, he cut inside um and you know, made this chance happen, right? because he after he cuts inside, the ball gets recycled out to the left and uh, and and actually, there's like five passes before it actually comes back to Jackson. So you know as a someone playing right back, you generally. Think that hey maybe he would have you know gotten back into position or yeah you know you know kind of kind of moved back but you know that's his his old striker forward instinct coming out like hey I'm supposed to be inside the six yard box the ball comes directly right. across the, the the box from being squared by uh, Mickey Rowe and boom you know he the ball dribbles in I mean uh, you know yeah. defender got a touch on it but well um, to, to here's the
0: thing I did he get a touch it looked like it went off of the post. In the way that the ball was spinning, it ba- like it bounces back in front of the the box, but it has that backspin and just rolls in. It looked really weird, and I kept watching it to see. And that's what it looks like. It was it took that that
1: spin that it had off of the post, put it back in. Uh, it could be. I mean, he, uh, um, oh, oh, put it back in there. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I meant I meant once Jackson hit it, I think he he hits it into a into one of the defenders, um, who's going down, um, but. You know, what's interesting in this game was the uh, that um, uh, trying to remember who's who here. Here, Chattanooga had 22 tackles, whereas Tormenta had 20 clearances. So, you know, it was Tormenta was almost hanging back. And I wonder if part of that, not all, not the whole game, but large portions of the game, I wonder how much of that was because they only had. You know, yeah, absolutely. you're not
0: going to throw your team out to attack and know that you can't sub anybody out when they get tired legs, right? Okay. You don't want to concede late and lose the goal. And like you said, they were up one, one until later in the second half. So at that point, they're like, Hey, let's try to ride this out a little bit. Let's, let's try to keep this going. And then when that happened, it was like, all right, well now we got to throw people up. Right. We, you know, yeah. and thankfully they just happened to have a right back who used to play. To me. <laughs> exactly.
1: um, Hora had a, a couple of saves. Mangles had three saves. You know, yep. M- Mangles looked pretty good. There were eight yellow cards in this match. So, yeah. um, you know, not as many as Fort Lauderdale had in total, um, but uh, a lot, of, still a lot of yellow cards. Uh, let's see. We're going to go to North Texas, who scored two, versus Forward Madison, who uh, who got one. Um, you know any overall general thoughts on this game? I mean, it was your your normal North Texas game. You know they, they had 622 successful passes.
0: Yeah, it that's, and
1: it was that's it, why a thousand cuts or a thousand thought, passes in this case.
0: I thought in the beginning that Ford looked really good in those first 15, 20 minutes, and then you had the goal, and it's bad luck that takes a deflection right, and that kind of it kind of sucks the air out of that, right? Like, I'm sure it's one of those things to wear. And, and, and it's an own goal, so I'm, I'm sure it's not as hard to uh, it's to get over it. But it's still kind of like, uh oh, we were playing so well, and then we have to deal with this. And uh, listen, I, I tweeted about it, and we'll talk about it as we go along with the game. If you're down a goal with 20 minutes to go against North Texas, it's probably the worst place in the world uh, that you want to be because then you're forced – to push, push up, press, you know, try to get the ball, and North Texas is like a Venus flytrap and waiting for you to come and do that because then they're just going to pass through it and they're just going to suffocate the game until it's over.
1: Yeah, it's able to. Yeah, North Texas, of any team in the league, and they proved it again in this game, they know how to keep the ball, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. They had passing accuracy of almost 90% and with 622 passes completed. I mean, that's 71% possession for North Texas. It's- it's why it's 71. and and, and Madison is not, not a possession team, right? <laughs> it, and you
0: have all these new players, so I'm telling you, it's a factory, it's a clone factory out there. They're taking the DNA of Arturo and David. I don't like. It's just it's unbelievable how like you can just assume. Oh, he plays for North Texas. Oh, he's part of the SCD Academy. Cool. He's he's a great passer. Like yeah, that's right. it. Simple as that. Like last year, they had almost. 20 players that had over an 80% passing accuracy. It's, it's right. wild. It's absolutely wild what they're doing. Yeah. But but um, I, I do think that in that first, like I said, the first 10, 15 minutes for it looked good that, you know, they, they were unlucky to have that goal uh, deflect in, but I did see what North Texas was trying to do early. Right. And so Ford Madison, you know, Eric Leonard's not going to be the one to be the creative take player, right? And so what do you do? J.C. Banks is the one who comes back and tries to receive the ball. And a lot of goals you saw, J.C. Banks was the one who started the play and then was the one that ended it. And North Texas probably took note of that and said, yeah, we're not going to let that happen. And they were putting some tackles on him. They were putting fouls on him early to let to let Ford know that they weren't playing that.
1: Yeah, and I, well, and th- this again to your point from earlier, this was another uh, another game where North Texas definitely tried to keep the ball on the outside, right? To keep you know keep Eric Leonard out of the game, right? And um, you know how many times last year did we see you know Eric you know, win a ball and then get the ball to J.C. Banks or Paolo right. Jr. And, you know, all of that happens because you're attacking down the middle. Right. Um, wh- when you attack down the channels or near the touchline, that's much harder uh, harder to do. And you stay away from, you know, one of the best open field defenders in the league.
0: Well, it's also, too, you, you talk about the creativity. Last year you had Nunez, right? So let's say hypothetically North Texas says, okay, we're going to take J.C. out of it. Then Ford can have Josie L come back, receive the ball and kind of have those long diagonal passes, you know, Eric for as good as a player he is. And as much as he does for Ford, he's just not that type of player. So then like you said, then they have to move to the sides. They have to figure out other ways to get around. And so, uh, I think it made it tough for them.
1: Yeah. Um, do we want to go through each goal or should we, um, just say that, you know, North Texas looked good. Madison looked okay. Not great. And, uh, and and I,
0: you know I think I think Gustavo looked really good considering he's not normally a midfielder so you know props to him I think he played very well uh, North Texas I think Che looked really good he looked really good and the the shocking part about that he's actually naturally a center back so for him to be wide and put in those crosses and and overlap like that and be able to to make those tackles down the side and steal the ball
1: you know he looked really good. So there is, you know, we could talk a lot about, about Justin Che, you know, he, he got the goal. He excuse me, got the assist on Ronaldo Damas's goal, which was the winner, um, in the 59th minute. Um, you know, the, I, I don't know if Che played center back because they needed a center back. Like one of the things that you're do you're seeing more and more in the youth game is your best players are not necessarily center midfielders or strikers anymore, right? That used to be what a lot of teams did. Now it's like, okay, we want our a center back, a ball-playing center back to be – that player and and you know they, they're they often there out of necessity but you can you know definitely move them around as you move up um up the ranks like uh, you know how many center backs do you see that wind up becoming great cdms for example and, and number sixes yeah. i mean that happens pretty regularly now that's why you have you know You know, I, I know when, when you watch uh, a lot of like major league soccer and, and, uh, and games from, from the UK or, or Germany, they always say, oh, he's a six, two, six, three, you know, number six. Like you don't see that with silky feet. Well, I bet you that that player, when they were 15, 16 years old, played center back, right? Like that you know, very likely what happened because they were the tallest kid. Um, so it doesn't surprise me. And I think you'll see more and more of that as, um, yeah. as the game progresses. And we, we want to have even center backs who play out of the back. Right. And uh, um, so, so, you know, he was, yeah, he was great. I, he was, I, I, he he was creating him. mayhem
0: down that side. Yeah, and and sure. unfortunately, though, on that Damus goal, uh, uncharacteristic mistake by uh, Connor Tobin. Uh, yeah, had had no a little man. trouble clearing that out. Um, and But, you know, I thought Chrysler, uh, when we talk about Ford's back line, I thought he looked really good in this game, especially as for his first one, kind of taking over, you know, some big shoes with, you know, Wyatt spot. And I think he, he fit right in. I thought he played very well.
1: Yeah, and we should talk about Toyama too. Someone who you know in the second half of last year, we, um, you know, we, we started to talk about more and more. He like suddenly showed up on uh, on forward. Um, so it, it's funny because he doesn't get on the score sheet this game, but the forward goal is is his goal. I mean, he <laughs> created this this goal out of nothing. He had the ball on the on the left touch line, and he he, uh, he cuts inside. He beats four players on the dribble, and then. Passes the ball past three others, yeah. um, and Paulo Junior gets the ball then in uh, on the right hand side of the penalty area, um, and crosses it in for uh, um, uh, for Wojciech, uh Vucek um, to to just tap it in right, and yeah. it was you know it was a great goal, but you know Toyama really deserves all of the credit for that. Yeah
0: won 12 of his 15 duels, led the game in tackles, fouls won and dribbles. He was everywhere. And we saw, like you said, glimpse of it last season where he got more minutes. Um, He's a player that they can play in the back or the wing. I think last year they used him more in the wing, but now with the departure of Manley, they've used him in the back. Pato, who is solid where he's going to play, right? So you don't have to worry about that side. They put him in on that side the other side and yeah he killed it he's he's someone i'm really excited to see because if he can play consistently this well every game he's someone that i think that you know a lot of usl championship sides and maybe even if minnesota united and all those affiliates that they have want to take a look you know he's someone that can be a big utility player
1: in another league. Yeah. Uh, so Chicago fire is that other affiliate.
0: Well, it's, it's everybody They're They're, yeah. they're promiscuous flamingos. We, <laughs> it's, who, it's whoever gives them attention.
1: <laughs> all right. So those were all of the Saturday matches, please, please, please. Can we get less matches all at the same time on Saturday? Um, so, I'm and, not a family. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. and I'm charging a soccer team at the same time. I got, got a lot to do. Um, Tuesday night, just uh, last night, from when we we're recording this, on Wednesday night, uh, was the a very exciting nil nil draw between South Georgia Tormenta and the Richmond Kickers. Um, if you think you like soccer is boring and uninteresting, I think this is the kind of game that you you know have to watch because you know even though it was it was nil nil. Um, it was very interesting tactically. You you saw Richmond in that mid block and they, you know, won the ball regularly right around midfield and were able to try and counter, um, Tormenta was, um, I, I don't, they, they weren't exactly lining up one for one, but they, they were trying a lot of counter pressing and in doing so they had a, uh, they, they had a lot of chances themselves. So, um, you know, I, I thought it was, I thought it was a good match. You know, the fact that um, uh you know the the kickers kind of were a little bit stronger in the back line than they were they were a little bit more defensively sound so some of the you know little issues i think in covering in particular was uh you know they obviously worked on that on monday and between uh uh, in between the two games. Um Akira Fitzgerald was back, which I As think was, was good because he made a couple of really, really good saves. Um and uh you know definitely organized that back line a little bit better. I'm player um, of
0: the player of the game in my opinion. I think, oh, yeah. he, I yeah, think so, yeah. he he like my five word review looking at my notes for uh for the kickers was thank God Akira is okay. <laughs> Cause, <laughs> Cause he came back. And yeah, like one one thing about Tormenta is they're going to put shots on frame at whether it's outside of the box, whether it's in, they're going to put pressure on your goalkeeper. So if you do not have a top goalkeeper in this league or an elite goalkeeper, you know, expect, To put two, three goals up to, you know, that you have to play against with Tormenta. And so he, there is easily a good two, three shots that you have to be a top keeper in this league to save. We're looking at one right now outside. Like it's just, it was incredible for him to come back after an injury to do that. And so, yeah, Micheletto, I'm sure feels robbed uh, that Akira was out there.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean Akira for, for me right now I mean granted we you know the sample size is two but he's my uh, um you know he would be my my keeper of the season so far I mean easily. Like,
0: yeah, and don't sleep on Hara though. Hara like when you look at right here right reactionary saves, you know, him coming out and you know he's not the biggest of keeper so when he comes out to grab the ball in those aerial duels, I thought Hara looked you know equally as good and I think Hara you know, one of those keepers who you know when you have to play with a sub and a half, maybe you grab two guys from the YMCA before the game, you know, it's important that, you know, especially in that second half at towards the end of the game, tired legs, they're going to get some shots off of the other team. And so he did a good job at, you know, preventing them from dropping points at home.
1: Yep. And, uh, you know, good on tormenta too, uh, actually, because he, uh, um tormenta still only had two subs this game they're, they're apparently going to get seven players back for this weekend um you know so you'll see probably a very rotated lineup for tormenta when they play uh um, when they play ocb this weekend um tormenta's a little lucky i mean they're, they're home their first number of matches so i think at least uh, three in a row um but you know they don't have much to show for it yet uh two points out of two games at home you know you'd really probably hope to have four right jason
0: yeah but You know what? I don't, I don't hate it um, because it's not like they played Fort Lauderdale and OCB. You know, I'm saying it's, it's one of those things to where they're, they're playing competitive teams. So for me, it's point saved because you can very well drop those points. Right. So now that they have those points, they, they're getting people back. It's more of a relief. The OCB game is the one that they can go ahead and say, OK, let's go ahead, get our confidence up. Let's go ahead, get some goals. We get some rotations. Players can recover. And then from then on, now you're season ready. Now it's time to play against the Greenvilles and the, you know, the top teams to, to see where you stand. Because Chattanooga is not not as a competitive team, almost made the playoffs. Richmond, as you see this year, offensively looks a lot better. So it's not like they're they're dropping points at home against you know teams that are well below them. I think that they they should be happy considering they had to play you know what within a five day radius and with with no subs virtually so I, I'd be happy if I'm coach John Miller well
1: Saturday to Tuesday so only uh three days yeah right.
0: not um, even five three that's
1: crazy <laughs> right. all right uh so shall we preview the match the five matches for this coming week yes let's do it all right so first let's go with uh Friday night 8 p.m Eastern time forward Madison is hosting the Greenville Triumph. Uh, Greenville will be missing Brandon Fricky, as we mentioned, for his uh, red card against uh, against the kickers for denial of a goal scoring opportunity. Um, you know, based on this, this could be a really great match, yeah. or I think Greenville could run away with it. Um, I, oh I, wow! Yeah, okay. I'm going I'm to go out on the line. I mean, look, I, I like forward, but. I mean, Greenville just looks so good so far. I mean, even though, yeah, you know, you could you could argue that, you know, th- this week, you know, having two goals scored against them and getting a little lucky against Richmond, I, I think that they're going to be able to correct those, those issues. And, you know, I could see this. I can see them scoring two or three goals against Madison, which is not something you would say last year. So I could see this being like another like 3-1, 3-2 game.
0: See, I can say the same thing. I can see them scoring two goals against Madison, but I can also see Madison scoring two goals because, like I said, I'm not sold on Greenville's defense yet, and now that Freaky is out and you're plugging somebody else in, it'll be interesting to see if Coach Harks is going to keep playing that high line, right, because you're asking yourself for trouble if you want to play that high line against players like Paulo and Don Smart and Giro. You're you're asking for trouble at that point.
1: But then you're just going back to what got them to the finals last year. Right. And, you know, you know, yeah, there's no Bermudez, right. There's no Cole Siler. but uh, yeah, you know, I think the pieces that are there, uh, you know, they showed pretty well against uh, uh, in the first two matches. So Um,
0: I've got this one uh, on a personal note. I've got this one coming as a draw. I do think that I do lean, I think I Greenville, great. Greenville on the road, especially like and, and, that's, not, and that's what it comes down to. I was going to say, I've got Greenville offensively. I've got four defensively. It's going to come down to fitness. And, and since Greenville has to travel, they have to plug in a new center back. I'm going to give this draw. But, and, but and, Madison's playing away too. They're playing yeah, in middle I, Okay. Right. <laughs> So. <laughs> next to next to a train, I saw today. Like literally, a train comes in in the middle, like right next to that the field. Like the yeah, so it's just like we've got <laughs> we've got planes in Fort Lauderdale, we've got trains in that. you know what Great. what
1: a league, what a league. We we need a uh, we need hot on- on-
0: air on. balloons and tormenta. What a league, <laughs> just what a league. <laughs>
1: All right, uh, so we move on to Saturday's matches. So 5 p.m., the Chattanooga Red Wolves are hosting for uh, excuse me uh, FC Tucson at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Chattanooga by a hair, maybe here. Yeah, I think Chattanooga Chattanooga wraps this up. Um, It'll
0: it'll be fun to watch this one because I think now with Tucson not necessarily pressing and being that team, you know, like. We, we talked about earlier offensively, it's attack, attack, attack. Tucson kind of wasn't playing like that. They kind of sat back with, four, I mean, uh, with the Fort Lauderdale. And so now we get an idea of how Chattanooga's offensive tactics are going to be. And I, I have a feeling we're looking at a 2-1 game. I think, you know, opening up the new stadium, the adrenaline will be high. You know, Chattanooga will be ready for this one. Uh, BD potentially might be back. Who who knows? Um, and so, yeah, I I Give the notch to uh, Chattanooga for that yeah, one.
1: I give it to Chattanooga. I th- I think it's probably more like a two nail, but yeah, yeah. I can I can see that. I mean, it's I, it's nice that it's at five o'clock.
0: Yeah, I just think with Tucson, you you've got too much offensive talent. Like I said, like bringing Shaq Adams in and watching what he can do, uh, and that that Chattanooga backline still being kind of new. You know, like we watch what happened in that Micheletto goal. I can see
1: Tucson sneaking one in. I
0: just think that offensively, Chattanooga is going to be too tough for them to handle.
1: Fair enough. Richmond Kickers coming back home, and they are hosting Fort Lauderdale CF. Uh, there's two teenagers who are not going to be on the roster for this one because of their double yellows in uh, in Saturday night's match. Um, I think you got to give it to the Kickers, right? Um, I mean, not not that not that Fort Lauderdale is a pushover by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not saying that, right? Um, that they, they're not that guaranteed win that uh, you know a team that's playing at eight o'clock was last year, but they're um, you know, but but I still think that they're young, right? They're still learning how to how to do this. It's their first game on the road as a team, and I think Richmond's going to be up for it, playing back at City Stadium for the first time. They have these new upgrades, and um, you know they, they're going to have uh, you know probably a little bit of a rotated lineup again, like they did against Tormenta. So you know you know I think that that some of the guys who only got limited minutes uh, or, or played 30 minutes might start this game, um, but I think Richmond's the squad is deep enough that yeah um, you know that they'll pull out a win here.
0: And they've got a schedule. They've got Fort Lauderdale this weekend. They're home at Ford the following weekend, some Henny Derby action going on. You've got them at home again against Tucson, and then they're away at New England. Those, I think you you want to win this game, get that confidence going, because that's easily at, what, seven points at least. It should be about 10 points, right? Like at nine points at the very least that you can get in in those four games. So, I think that this is one that they'll definitely want to push and and try to get on the goal sheet and get get their
1: uh, their spirits high. Yeah, and if they're gonna if they're gonna prove me right and get to that final, I think that they need probably to get seven or eight points out of these uh, next four yeah. games. So
0: yeah, I, I don't see why they couldn't get you know eight nine points with this these right. next four games. Yeah,
1: three three wins would be would be perfect for them and put them in really good shape for the mm-hmm. uh, for the the second. Two thirds of the season, I guess. Uh, so then, at eight PM, we have two matches starting at the same time again. Stop!
0: <laughs> Stop!
1: Yeah, it's like, look, I don't, I can't do two screens anymore. I'm too old, you know, half a century old. I can only concentrate on one thing at a time. Um, yeah, my wife hates it these days. Uh, 8 p.m. South Georgia Tormenta versus Orlando City B. Um, you know, South Georgia proved that they can score, right? Um, even though they didn't score against uh, against Richmond on Tuesday. Um, you know, we know that Micheletto and, uh, you know, Gomez, I mean, there's Pato, guys. That yeah, Pato, and, I mean, and
0: Pato and Coutinho were rested this past game. You know, and I think that's because of the. So they're going to be probably starting Saturday. I expect Tormenta to come out guns blazing. They're probably going to try to put up two or three before the first half is even over.
1: And there's not a lot that we know about OCB. I mean, I, I, you know, I I hope that they're more entertaining than they were last year. I mean, last year they were entertaining just in a bad way, right? Um, But it's. You know, but but we don't know, and this is their first game of the season, so you know it could be a much much different OCB team. And and uh Are you a fan um, of
0: bad news, Ira? Because because I've got some for you. Oh, oh no! I just
1: I uh-oh. it's, it's going to be. Hey, a month. I, I, I'm I'm good news. I'm good news, right? I'm staying I, up. Okay, all know, right. The I, staying up, so I'm not going to get down. But we'll, we'll about OCB. Off, look, we'll it, it makes off, great content. It's great content if you tell me that it's going to be bad. <laughs>
0: It's it's a bunch of academy kids. And so and it's new academy kids, only two returning players from last year. Um, and I don't even know if Tablante and Amar are gonna get the start. I don't, you know, like there are gonna be new players to watch for. They do have a seven foot twelve Serbian striker up top, and so it's there. It's not like it's gonna be. Oh, okay. I'm gonna skip this game because I know Tormenta is gonna. You still want to see what OCB has and see what their academy players look like. They do have a couple guys on loan, but yeah, I don't know if it's gonna be like the way we're surprised about Fort Lauderdale and how they kind of came out swinging and how they've looked like a pretty decent team. I don't know if we're going to quite get the same for Orlando.
1: All right. Well, you know, maybe that has to happen all the time. Uh, yeah. Who, who knows? It'll, it'll be a perpetual joke. Um, <laughs> just like we're going to have the same person score the, the, the first goal in 13 different seasons for 13 different teams, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Also at 8pm will be Union Omaha having their home debut against the reigning champions North Texas soccer club. Um, I don't know. Like this is this is a hard one, right? Because yeah. North, North Texas showed that they're not that much different than last year, right? If Ronaldo Damus is up top, you can always get a goal, and you have guys who can cross the ball, and and uh, they're gonna, you know, aim for that 600 passes a game, like they were, um, like they did last season. Um, and you know, but Union Omaha is gonna be up for it, so you, you know, either one or two things, right? You have butterflies in your stomach, and you're gonna make mistakes, or you yeah. know, El 4 is gonna dribble around all everyone on North Texas and score, right? Those are the two possibilities here
0: yeah a lot of a lot of parliament a lot of union fans been uh been talking talking the team up saying oh yeah we're gonna win we we're competitive year one Y'all going to find out how competitive you are because, like you said, North Texas virtually looks like the same team from last year. Batista in the back makes a huge difference. I thought he played huge yeah, he for played really Madison good, uh, against Fort yeah. Madison. Um, so y'all going to find out how good you are this weekend. And so it, it might be a blessing in disguise you get. North Texas is early, right? Because now you actually get to see that competitive level. You can go back and make changes, and now you know the level you need to get to. Uh, but y'all going to find out. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. And uh, you are at your home stadium, so hopefully you've been practicing there a little bit. sold and, out um, proud, right? And we'll see it. Well, you know, sold out for their 20% capacity or whatever they're allowed to sold have. sold out. You
0: know, it doesn't change the fact that it's sold sell,
1: out. A sellout. to sell, out, a sell That's yeah. true. All right. Uh so Jason, did we get any questions? I, I yes, forgot to write out, but So nice. uh, our,
0: our 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 guy uh Chris uh, Ashley uh, from yeah, that soccer show said Charlotte MLS supporting director Zoran Crenetta mentioned a potential partnership with the triumph. Yeah. what are our thoughts
1: about that? yeah, so a couple of so uh, so a couple of things. so he didn't he mentioned the triumph along with the independence and North Carolina FC basically, you know loaning players down and maybe having you know, some kind of Academy, maybe system between them. And, you know, I think Greenville without having their own, um, you know, they have youth clubs within their um, uh, within the area and they, you know, have a couple of guys on Academy contracts. I think that any, any kind of, Um, you know, support that you can get from a higher level club is going to be important, especially without, you know, promotion relegation. But even in other countries, you know, you'll have associate or affiliate teams that play in lower divisions that are trying to, you know, get themselves up to to a higher level too. So um, I think that can can only be good. And I think... um, yeah, you know, I think Coach Harks is someone who, you know, will have enough respect among the, the coaching staff that um that that he'll be trusted to potentially get a couple of you know very promising 17, 18 year olds to train up and be squad players for uh for Greenville. And and you know, there might be a, a player or two in Greenville that, you know, really impress and they get maybe get a shot, a loan up to the NMLS MLS team for a couple of months just to see what they can do.
0: Yeah. Um I think it's it's nice to where there is a pipeline for at least a young kid to kind of inspire to get to, right? So it's one of those things to where, yeah, you can play for your local professional team, right? But unless you've seen players go to USL Championship MLS from them, it does seems like that might be the top that you're going to get to, right? Whereas if there's a pipeline, if there's partnerships, right? Even if it's not a direct pipeline, but there's partnerships, you know there's a potential that a Charlotte MLS scout is going to be at one of your games. You know there's a potential that another USL championship scout will be at one of your games. And so I think that just
1: fuels your fire and gives you a little more inspiration well, In a way it seems like maybe charlotte mls is doing the opposite of what forward madison's doing right where you know they, they want to have you know a a basically be the carolina's mls team because at least initially they will be right unless right. you know it may be in the future raleigh gets a team or, or something like that and um it, you know as this goes on we're, we're gonna you know come full circle and say you know until there's there's pro you know this is what what the, the landscape's going to look like, and it's only good that we have more and more teams. And we've we've said it on this show many times, right? So if every community that has you know five hundred thousand people or more has their own professional soccer team, whether it's League One, NISA League uh, uh, Championship, or Major League Soccer, that's how we find talent. That's how we develop talent, and that's how we move people up uh, the ranks. And that's how every other country in the world does it. Um, you know, we haven't had a chance to do that, and and I think this is one of the reasons why lower division soccer needs to exist here, needs to be vibrant, and why the the single best thing that people can do is not whine about Pro Rel, but it's support their local club and make sure that local club is viable, that they're helping the youth in the area, and um, and you know that's how we we develop world class players. That's just the way it uh, way it has to work. It's the only way it can work. Um, I like that. Secondary. like that.
0: Same with your chest, Ira. I love it. <laughs> and right. then we do, have a, we do have one more question. We got an email from Are They uh, Anonymous. And they have asked, um, who is the biggest disappointment so far and who is the biggest surprise so far? Ooh, and I boy, put this in our show that? notes, so yeah, I'm putting you on spot. I'll yeah, let you it, stop a little bit, give you yeah, time.
1: You're putting me on the spot. No, I'll, I know. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, I think the the biggest surprise for me now this is uh, this is only for me is the fact that North Texas doesn't seem so far to have a big drop off, right? So I I thought that you know maybe they basically took all of their best players from the academy, and you know as well as some of their. First team players, and that you know, given that most of them you know had moved up, and some moved out, right? Arturo Rodriguez leaving, for example, um, that they there would be some kind of drop off. But at least what from what they showed with again sample size of one, but what they've shown so far is they the the system is working right, and uh, and so so that's my my I think first surprise. Do you have? Do you have yeah a Jason uh, so even though they
0: don't have any points to show for it I'm super surprised at Fort Lauderdale because they are Academy kids they are teenagers out there and Yes, they might be a little bit too confident when when it comes to those slide tackles, but that confidence, you know, you look at Frey, you look at Ferry in the midfield, these guys are taking on, you know, uh, professionals and veterans in this game one-on-one and having no kind of hesitation, having no kind of fear. You look at Rosales, the way he gets down the side the way he's putting crosses in on a T, you know we looked at that first week. If Ricky and that timing is a little better, they're very competitive in that first week and they could have went into that half up a goal or two. And now we have a whole different game against who we are predicting to be the champs this year. Right. So, you know, I'm shocked that they've come out and they've looked as good as they have, and then who knows what's going to happen with first team players coming down. We know that you know inner Miami is going to be getting another striker. So then that gives, you know, does Jerome come down? You know, it, it's it, it leaves possibilities to where they get even more talent and they even you know have more to show in the upcoming game. So, you know, yes, they, they have more cards than they probably have uh chances <laughs> traded, but I think that uh I'm I'm surprised, right? Anytime you have a group of teenagers playing their first professional games. If it's not a New York Academy or a Dallas or a Philly Academy, you don't know what to expect. And I think that they've really
1: surprised me. All right. And uh, so for disappointments, um, I can't say that personally I've, I've had much in the way of disappointments uh, outside of, you know, maybe – maybe all the COVID stuff, um, but, but on the field, I, I haven't had that many disappointments. I mean, I mean, your, your news about OCB maybe is yeah. like I, the single biggest <laughs> disappointment. Yeah,
0: no, I, um, I, I, like, I was, I was going to say the same thing. I haven't really been disappointed by anyone. I would like to see more from Tucson. I mean, yes, they did win. Like I predicted in our, in our pickems, and I was the only one to pick them as a lock because everybody else is a coward, but I do want them to show more. I think the second half, they showed the team that they could be. Now I want them to do it against a, a, a full team and not a team that's playing down two men. And so um, that's kind of, though, I was hoping that they came out that way in the first half. And since I don't have the sample size for a full game against a full team, we'll see if uh, if they'll pick that up uh, this weekend.
1: That's a good shout. So, Jason, I think uh we've gone on for well more than an hour. We're we're approaching a uh, a full time here. So
0: if, if you're complaining you don't love this league enough.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that you you know, we uh we have a lot to do because we have five more matches yeah, to watch this weekend and uh yeah, you, you know, I've got I've got a Calling soccer operations people, and I got like uh, work. The
0: players are trying to get back in in game shape. So are we, because this yeah. is this is a lot.
1: <laughs> exactly. So, well, it, you know, I I don't. I hope for a weekly show. People don't mind an hour and a quarter, hour and a half show, because I think this is what it's going to be like the yeah. entire season. Yeah. So, and, uh, hopefully, you're not disappointed by that. But uh, if not, you know, you, you don't have to listen to us all on one day. You could listen to us on over two days. So, Jason,
0: I mean, if you're a coward, yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, I don't have a commute anymore. I I hate to say this. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Listening has gone down quite a lot because I don't have a commute and it's actually kind of distressing.
0: Mine (laughs) has actually gone up because I like people conversing in the background because it makes me feel like I have friends since I haven't actually seen any since (laughs) February. So, yeah, I I keep a podcast going.
1: (laughs) All right. Fair enough. Jason, where can people connect with you? You can find me
0: at home sweet soccer
1: and I can be found at Ira Jersey and you can connect with the show at league one fun. That's at league and the number one fun. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks to our sponsor roughneck scarves, the official scarf supplier of the United soccer leagues, major league soccer and us soccer get custom scarves, your group or team at RoughneckScarves.com. And Jason, if you need a cool kit, mm-hmm. where'd you go? Like just a custom kit for your Uh, adult league, you know, if you decide to go. go I don't even
0: know because is there even such thing as a cool custom
1: kit that I can go to? There is, Jason. It's called Icarus FC. Go to IcarusFC.com for all your custom cool kit needs. I'm listening. Okay. Okay. So if you need, you know, even if you're a fictional team that needs merch, right? Like, you know, go to IcarusFC.com and they'll, they'll set you up. No problem. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So Jason, until next week, hashtag support local soccer.
0: Breaking news. Nick Moon scored a goal. Give it up for our boy, baby. (laughs) Our, Our USL League One alumni out there doing work, love it.